Hello, and welcome to the Study Apply Thrive podcast. I am Vita Cash, your host. I am the co-pastor and first lady at Flow Church, and I'm so happy to spend this time with you. The podcast is called Study Apply Thrive because we know that when we study and apply the Word of God, that we can thrive in every area of life. So grab your Bible, your journal, a beautiful pen, and your favorite cup of tea, and let's get into the Word of God. Hello, ladies. I am so excited to be with you. Let's get into the word. So we're in the month of November. And while many of us are focusing on being grateful, we had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We're focusing on family time and just enjoying each other's company. There's a large population of us during the month of November going into December and January who have a very difficult time emotionally. And it's because this is a time where people remember their loved ones who are no longer here with us. And it becomes a time of sorrow and grief for many people. And although we always want to be grateful and although we all know the words of faith and we know the promises of God, we cannot neglect the fact that for some people, this is a very difficult time. And so I'm dedicating this podcast to anyone who is dealing with grief, who's dealing with loss, who is still in mourning, because there was a season in my life where during the holidays was very difficult for me. And I had a very difficult time um, just dealing with the loss of my children. And if you haven't heard my testimony, we'll talk about that at a later time. Pastor Russell and I have three babies that are in heaven. And Christmas time and the holiday season was always so hard for us. And when you are a believer, sometimes when you're going through grief, you're guilted into believing that you don't have the right to mourn or you don't have the right to be sad or you don't have the right to miss your loved one. And you'll say things like, well, I know where they are. I know they're in a better place. I know that they're resting in heaven and things like that. But that doesn't alleviate or eliminate the fact that a person that you love dearly is no longer here with you and they're no longer able to share in the festivities of this time. And I want this to be a safe place for you, a safe place to feel however you need to feel. And I want to give you some biblical Um, steps as to how to process those things. And let me say from the very beginning, I am a huge advocate of counseling. I'm a huge advocate of therapy. I'm a huge advocate of all those things. And so if you feel like your grief is getting to the point that you're moving into depression, where you no longer um, are able to fulfill your everyday duties in a way that is satisfactory to you, I want you to call your primary care physician as soon as you finish listening to this. And I want you to make an appointment to go see a licensed therapist. And I want it to be somebody who is trained in helping you navigate the five stages of grief. God put that wisdom in the earth for a reason. And you are that reason God put that wisdom in the earth just for you. And so from the very beginning, I want you to understand that it is okay and it is perfectly fine for you to be a woman of faith and need to couple the biblical wisdom that you have with the training of a licensed therapist or licensed counselor. So during this time, if any point during this podcast, you say, you know what? I hear what she's saying, but I don't think I can get there by myself. That's your indicator that maybe you should go and see a counselor. So let's open up to uh, Ephesians. No, not Ephesians. (laughs) Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And even though we're talking about a pretty serious topic today, I'm still going to be light. I'm still going to smile. I'm still going to have a couple little corny jokes for you. Not because I'm trying to make light 
of what you may be experiencing, but because I can't turn off the joy of the Lord. And I, again, Pastor Russell and I have been in a position where we have lost babies and they've gone to heaven. And we've been in seasons where this time of year is very difficult for us. Um, in addition to our babies, we both have grandparents who have gone to heaven. We both have loved ones, friends and family members. And so we do truly understand um, how you may be feeling and what you may be experiencing. And again, the first thing I want to say is you absolutely have permission to feel that way. Just because you're a believer, just because you're a woman of faith does not exclude you from the circle of people who have a right to have feelings about your loved one. And as time goes on, you're going to have a whole cornucopia of feelings. It's going to be a spectrum to, you know, I'm so sad, to I'm angry, to sometimes uh, regret, sometimes guilt, sometimes relief because, you know, they're not suffering anymore if they dealt with illness, back to sadness, back, back to grief. You know, you're going to have a whole cornucopia and that is absolutely okay. God gave you all of those reasons, all of those emotions for a reason. And our emotions are neither good or bad. It's what we do with those emotions that can be good or bad. Emotions are simply an inward indicator to an outward experience. You've experienced something on the outside and your emotions show you or tell you how you're processing it on the inside. And so if you don't like how you feel, just know that God has a plan for you and you do not have to stay in this place for the rest of your life. And notice I said, you do not have to, that there is some work that you're going to have to do to work through the stages of grief. And I'm going to give you some of those things. And again, if you feel the need to work with a licensed therapist or counselor, do that. If you need a grief support group, go. If you need accountability person, find that person. But my goal is to help you through the word of God begin to navigate those waters. And so let's just begin at the very beginning with defining grief. And I said very beginning. We're not at the very beginning anymore. So let's just start here <laughs> with defining grief. And grief is a deep sorrow, especially caused by a loss. And most of the time that loss is the loss of a loved one. But you can be grieving from a from a um a divorce, you can be grieving from the loss of a job, a business, or a career. You can be grieving at the loss of a dream that, you know, you finally got into graduate school. You finally got into that doctoral program that you wanted to get into, but then the finances didn't work out. Or you found out that someone else in your family needed the finances more, so you shifted those things there. And even though you did that gladly, it still caused you to feel like you were having a loss. And so grief can be... A loss of anything, but we're talking specifically today about the loss of a loved one. But some of you may be listening and you might be still grieving your divorce. You may be still working through the process of forgiving the person that you're no longer married to, or you're, you may be working through the, the, uh, you had a business and it was thriving. And then because of COVID, that business went away, or you had a particular lifestyle before COVID, but then the industry that you work in basically shut down and now that your lifestyle or your livelihood has been taken from you, you've had a loss. And so the first thing I want you to identify is what was the loss that you experienced and not just I lost my spouse or I lost my mom or I lost my aunt or I lost my sibling. But what does that loss represent in your life? Because when you begin from that perspective, it helps you to narrow why you're feeling sorrow, but it also helps you to exclude why you aren't feeling sorrow. 
let me just put it like this. Sometimes when we lose someone, because we haven't been told or we haven't been directed to identify with the specific losses that we're mourning or that is causing a deep sorrow in our lives, we then try to blame other people or we try to blame situations. So we may be at a loss. We may be feeling grief because we lost our dad, but we point our anger at our sister because we don't like how she did the programs or she we don't like how she spoke to us at the service or we pointed at the caterer because they made the wrong food for the repast or, you know, it was the doctor's fault because the doctor didn't do the right test or it was the hospital's fault because the hospital's policy wouldn't allow the second insurance and the second insurance is what would have covered the chemo. We begin to point our emotions at things that are really not related to why we're really grieving. And so if you've never taken the time to identify what the actual loss is, I want you to do that right now in your journal. Just write down what it is that you lost. And I know that if you lost a loved one, a mom, a sister, a spouse, that there are a lot of things connected to that. If you lost a spouse, you may have also lost income. You may have also lost your best friend. You may have also lost your, your travel partner. You may have also lost your co-parent. You may have also lost the security for your household. You may have also lost the person who primarily did the cooking. You may have also lost... So I understand that there are many things and many facets facets connected with that particular loss, but the nucleus is you lost your spouse or the nucleus is you lost your mom or the nucleus is you lost your dad or the nucleus is you lost your grandparent or the nucleus is you lost a child. And it's important to identify that because as you begin to apply the word of God, you want to apply the word of God skillfully and you want to apply it accurately, meaning that you don't want to spend your time processing over and over and over again the conversation you had with your sister versus dealing with the fact that you miss your dad. You don't want to spend time processing the conversation with the doctor when you really are just missing your spouse. And so it's very important to identify what that loss is in your life and what it represents for you. And give yourself permission to just kind of feel however you feel with that. And I keep saying, give yourself permission because again, as women of faith, sometimes we can be hard on ourselves. We feel like, oh, I should be beyond this, or I should have more faith than this, or I need to pretend for other people, or I'm a role model. I need to roll, I need to um, model uh, excellence for someone else or model strength for someone else. But what you really want to model is authenticity. And if we don't have people around us who can embrace us in our moments of authenticity, we have the wrong people around us. We want to be able to be able to be real with how we are feeling right now, because those real moments is what's going to help move you forward. But when we keep pretending and keep suppressing and keep acting and keep doing those things, it keeps us at that spot. It's like if you um, have a math quiz and you need to put the right answers down. If if you don't put the right answers down or if you don't know the right answers, you can't move on to the next chapter in the book. And so some of us keep repeating the same chapter of math or the same chapter of reading because we won't put down the right answers. And it's okay if someone asks you, well, how are you doing today? It's okay for you to say, today's not a good day. I'm not doing well versus, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm too blessed to be stressed. I won't change my story now. I <laughs> I remember I went to a, a memorial service for a young lady that I grew up with. We're about the same age and she died a couple years ago. 
and I went up to her mom and I said, you know, how are you doing under the circumstances? Because I know you're grieving. So I know that everything isn't great. And are you not about to go on your on your favorite vacations? But I know that there's some things you're dealing with. So I said, how are you doing under the circumstances? She said, oh, I'm never under. I'm always over. I'm always on top. I'm always above. I'm always this. I'm always that. I'm always this. I'm always that. And I said, okay, that was a lot. And then about two or three weeks later, um, her other daughter, who was, you know, she had two daughters call me and said, man, my mom had a serious breakdown in the grocery store um, because she's just not processing uh, everything that happened with my sister. Now, I am not in any way throwing stones at this lady, but for whatever reason, she didn't feel comfortable. And not just with me, she was this way with everybody. It wasn't just me. She didn't feel comfortable being able to authentically say, I'm really hurting because I was not expecting to outlive my daughter. My daughter died suddenly and I wasn't prepared for that. I just feel I'm at a loss. I'm trusting God. I believe God. But man, this is hard for me. She didn't feel like she was a, had a freedom to do that. And so giving yourself permission to be the real you, giving yourself permission to feel the way you need to feel around your safe circle will help you greatly to process how you feel. And so I want you to have compassion with yourself. I want you to have uh, be kind to yourself. I want you to give yourself permission to be honest about how you feel. Now, open up to Ecclesiastes 3. I already said that, but now we're ready to read it. Verse 1 says, To everything there is a season, a time and a purpose for everything under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rent and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak up, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. And so the word is giving us a confirmation that there's going to be a time for everything. And right now, you may be dealing with a time to mourn. You may be dealing with a time to cast away. You may be dealing with a time of war within yourself because you're trying to figure out how do we get here? I can't believe this has happened. I can't believe this would happen to my family. Um, a time to rent or a time to weep, a time to uh, grieve, a time to cry, a time to cry versus a time to laugh. And God knew you were going to be at this place. He knew you were going to be at this place at this time. And he has given you everything that you need to move through the steps of grieving. And I don't want to say move past it because that almost sounds aggressive, like move past it. No, it, it takes a while, some time to process and go through and grow and not go, but to grow through the stages of grief, because there are some things that, you know, thoughts that you may have to pull down, some strongholds, you may have to come to some uh, settle in a, some acceptance of some things on the inside of you. There are a lot of things that may have to happen as you're going through the grief process. But I just wanted to remind you first to be kind to yourself, to identify what your loss is, and then to remember that there is a time and a season for everything. And God knew exactly that you would be in this time at this place in this season in your life. 
And so what do I want you to do to begin to go through these things? I want to give you four or five things that you can do to move through this. And just, again, being kind to yourself and just surrounding yourself with the right people. And just remembering that the reason that you're upset, the reason that you're hurting, the reason that you're sad, the reason that you're crying, the reason that you are experiencing deep sorrow is because you lost a loved one or because you lost whatever other thing you may label there, but it's not because of other people. It's not because your cousin didn't bake chicken. It's not because the nurse wasn't kind. It's not because of all these other things. It's because you are missing your loved one. And so when the opportunity comes up for you to begin to cast your emotions on all these other things and attach your emotions to all these other things, just stop yourself and say, no, insert your name. Don't go there. I'm missing my mom right now. I'm missing my husband right now. I'm missing my brother and my sister right now is not because that family member didn't act right. It's not because that family member didn't call me. It's not because of the seat they put me in at the funeral. It's not because of this. I am missing my loved one because if my loved one was still here, none of those other things would really matter right now. And keep those things in perspective and don't allow those other issues to pull on you even more because those things can be very draining and you don't want those things to pull on you even more. And so Since we know that God is all-knowing, and since we know that God is in control of everything, and since we know that God has given us provisions for this time, the first thing that I want you to do when you feel yourself becoming overwhelmed with sorrow, and begin, again, don't beat yourself up for that. Be kind to yourself. You had a significant loss, however you have defined it, and it's okay for you to have a moment. It's okay for you to have a day. It's okay for you to have a whole week. It's okay. But during that time, I don't you want you to forget your identity as an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. I don't want you to forget that you have the Holy Spirit, the comforter living on the inside of you. And I want you to allow the comforter to do its perfect work. I want you to allow Holy Spirit to do his perfect work to minister to you. And the way that you're going to ignite that, the way that you're going to initiate that process Just allowing God to do a work in you in the moment that you're having that sorrow is for you to worship. I know you might be thinking, worship, I'm missing my loved one. I'm missing my mom. I'm missing my husband. I'm missing my dad. I'm missing my sister. I'm missing all the things that I'm missing. And you want me to worship? Absolutely. I want you to worship because the Bible says that God dwells in the praises of his people. And you want to be able to feel the tangible presence of God. One of the things that I hear from so many people when I counsel them after a loss is that they say, I feel like I can't feel God. I'm, I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm disappointed. I'm all these things. And I feel like I'm alone. I feel such a distance from God. And that is a very normal response because you feel like, God, this is this is something that has broken my heart. And God, you allow this to happen. Well, I want you to realize that God has a plan, that God doesn't make any mistakes. And even in my own moments of grief, I have to remind myself of that in my own moments of grief. And what will connect you most with the authenticity of who you are, with the greatness of our God, is for you to, in those moments, just begin to worship God. 
I want you to find a couple songs that are very dear to your heart and just begin to worship God. If you're at work, put your earbuds in or put your headphones in or step out of the office for a minute and go to the car or go wherever you need to go. And I want you to worship God because worship ushers in the presence of God and God is always with you. We're not waiting on God to show up. We're not waiting on God to appear. God is always with us, but worship focuses your attention on his presence. Have you ever been so busy doing work You can be in your office at work, in your cubicle at work. You can be at home. You can be reading a book or whatever. When somebody walks into the room and you don't even realize they're there because you're so engrossed with what you're doing. And they can be sharing that space with you for one minute or even, you know, 10, 20 minutes. And you don't even realize that they're there. You know, sometimes you may be in your bedroom, in one corner of your bedroom, sitting in a chair, reading a book. And your child could have come in and sat on the floor and they're reading a book and you look up five minutes later, you're like, oh, how long have you been in here? I didn't realize you were here. So what worship does is God's presence is always with you. God is always there. But worship makes your senses attentive to his presence. It allows you to see, oh, he was already in the room with me. He was already there And when you remember all the promises of God for healing, for your emotions, for restoration, for uh, comforting your broken heart, when you remember all those promises, worship illuminates all of that for you. And in that moment, when you're feeling weak, the Bible says that his strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so as you're crying out to God in worship and you're being reminded of his promises in worship, it will help you in that moment to get through that moment. Now, you cannot worship yourself through the five stages of grief, meaning that you can't worship all day, every day. Sometimes you might have to talk to some other people. You might have to go to work. You might have to deal with your children. You might have to do ministry. You may have to go to a doctor's appointment. You may have to do all some other things. And so you can't necessarily worship all day long. But in those moments that you feel like, you know what? It's the holiday season. I'm really missing this person. I've really missed them, really missed them. You can take that moment and just begin to worship in that moment and allow the presence of God just to come in and saturate the space that you're in. And so In addition to having some key scriptures that you go to, I want you to pick out five or so songs that are your go-to songs, your go-to songs to just simply take you there and not just worship songs that are going to put you into a spin of tears and have you on the floor. You can have one or two of those, but I want you to have some praise songs to just lift your spirit. Maybe a song that reminds you of your loved one that they really loved or a song that just gets you up dancing, just a worship song or a praise song that has you throwing up your hands and just worshiping God. Because you want to, again, you want to get out of that space of I'm so overcome with sadness that I can't function at this moment. You want to break through in that moment. And sometimes a praise song that'll get you up and moving and get you focused on God will absolutely do that for you. So number one is you want to worship. Now look at um, Psalms 34. Psalms 34 and verse 17. It says the righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save such as be of a contrite spirit. So it says the righteous cry out 
and the Lord hears them and delivers them out of their trouble. The Lord is near to those of a broken heart. So if you feel like you are completely crushed, if you feel like your heart is completely broken, just know that you have a biblical pr- uh, promise that God is near to you. God is near to those who are a broken heart. So if you feel like I can't feel God right now, if you focus your attention on worship, you will begin to feel his presence because he is absolutely there with you. And sometimes when we're going through a hard time, just knowing that someone is there is enough to get us through that moment. Just knowing that you have that person that you could call. You might not want to talk to them at the moment, but just knowing that you could call them. Just knowing that they would come over and sit with you. Sometimes just knowing that you have those people is enough to help you get through it. So sometimes just knowing that God is there. And so now you have this scripture promising you that God is near to those who are brokenhearted, but then beginning to worship so that you can feel his presence and you can identify that he's in the room and it just illuminates his presence for you. So the second thing I want you to do is I want you to find your safe circle. It is very difficult to go through grief alone. It is so difficult to do it alone. So you need to find a safe circle. And these are the people with whom you can be authentic with. The people who, you know, you might have to smile when you go to work you might have to be cordial when the person calls you on the phone to tell you that your, uh, what is it, the um, auto insurance has run out. So I can give y'all at least one little quinty joke um, that your auto warranty has run out. You might have to smile through that. And if you like Pastor Russell, he talks to those people so much that they hang up on him that they every time he answers the phone, he, he just... It is quite a sight to see. And they just, that's how he gets off of their call list by taking their call. And then he just talks to them until they stop the calling. That you need, you're going to have times you go to grocery store, you got to hold yourself together, but you need to identify your circle of people with whom you can be authentic. The people that you don't have to wait for them to call you, but you can call them and say, I need you to pray me through. I'm not doing good today. I'm not having a good day. I'm not having a good moment. I I need some support. I need to get out of this house. I need to go for a walk. Can we go do a spin class together? Can we go to the spa? Can we go shopping? Um, can, can we go see a movie? Notice I'm doing everything. I'm saying everything except for can we go eat? Because I don't want you to learn how to feed your emotions. And that, that'll add to a whole nother uh, dilemma of situations when you feed your emotions. I don't want you under eating, but I don't want you overeating either. So learning how to do something with your trusted circle that does not include food, that you have a healthy relationship with food apart from how you may be feeling um, emotionally. And when you identify that circle, I want you to allow help. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write that in all caps and underline it. Allow help. You do not help yourself by pretending that you're a superwoman. You do not help yourself by pretending that you have it all together. You are not helping the people around you when you are modeling dishonesty. If you are not well, then say, I'm not well. If you are not having a good day, then say, I'm not having a good day and allow those people to help you. And one of the people in your circle might be the therapist or counselor I mentioned earlier. Now, everybody may not need to go see a counselor or a therapist, but if you do, you use that and you use that tool to get to the place that you want to be. There is no lack of faith in doing that. God gave those people wisdom for you and you use it with your head held up high. You go to your appointment like you are the queen of the building. 
and go and get the help that you need. But I want you to have those people that you simply trust, that you know love you, that no won't judge me, that know that you know they have your back, and I want you to utilize their help. When they offer help, I want you to say yes. If they don't offer help, I want you to ask. But either way, you well, nobody ever asks me if I need anything, then you need to be bold enough to say, hey, I need some help. And with that trusted group of people, and I want you to allow help. God gave man for your ransom and he gave Egypt for you. He sent Jesus um, to be on the cross. He did all these things. So surely he's going to send help. People who will just come and hold your hand while you watch a movie together. Somebody who will go with you and just go for a ride with you. Somebody who will go shopping with you. Somebody who will go exercise with you. Surely God has raised up people who love you enough that will allow you to do that. But again, you have to do the work and not pretend like you're okay. If you're not having like this one thing that I've trained my children, that we're a team. And if I'm not feeling well, I don't necessarily pour and ooze out on my children to overwhelm them. But I will say to my children, it's not working out for mommy today. Y'all pray for mommy. Y'all pray for me. I'm having a hard time today because I need to train them that it's a safe place. Home is a safe place. This family unit is a safe place and that they should have people in their lives with whom they can be honest about how they feel. And it's gotten to the point that I lost um, my aunt earlier this year and it really made me sad. I was so sad. And so when we were going through that process, my children would say, mommy, are you okay? And I'd be like, no, mommy's not okay. Can I get a hug? Uh, mommy's not okay. Will you go walk around the neighborhood with me? Mommy's not okay. Uh, you want to play a game? Mommy's not okay. Just, I need a moment. Can you just let me go in my room? I'll be out in a little bit. You know, because you want to model that authenticity. You want to build that support circle, but then you also want to, have the honor of being there for someone else. And so it's hard for people to accept your help if you always reject their help. And so I'm training my children that as a family unit, we are helpers one to another. And again, I'm not going to overwhelm them with something that they're not old enough to process, but they are old enough to process somebody not feeling well or somebody being sad. And then I model for them how I behave when I'm sad, how I behave when I'm grieving. This is what you do. You don't go into a corner by yourself. You don't go off by yourself and close the door. Just lock yourself off from the world. You stay connected with people. You stay connected with safe people. Now, you don't have to accept every invitation that someone offers you when you're not feeling emotionally well, but you should accept some. You should try to stay connected at some point. And so you want to have that system in place. You want to have those friends, that safe circle, and you want to allow help. Don't ever reject help when you're not feeling good. God is sending help through that person. That's God reaching out to you and you want to accept that help. And the next thing I want you to do is identify the memories that happen. Sometimes when we lose a loved one, our mind keeps racing to all the conversations that didn't go well. And we play the what if game. Oh man, what if I had said this different? Or I wish I had said this. Oh, I wish I had said that. I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't done that. Oh, I wish they would have did this. I wish, I wish I, and that will create guilt on the inside of you. And no matter what the last conversation was that you may have had or may not have had, it is not your fault that the person is no longer here. And somebody needs to hear this. It is not your fault. And so creating a cycle or a whirlwind of guilt for yourself is not going to get you to the place that you want to be. And so you get to handpick the memories that you want to meditate on. You want to meditate on your best holidays together. You want to meditate on your favorite vacation. 
You want to meditate on your wedding day. You want to meditate on when your children were born. You want to meditate on, you know, when you bought the first house. You want to meditate on those things. So when you are, when it's time to have a memory, you're pulling from a pool of memories that you've selected that make you feel good about the person that's no longer here, that make you feel happy about that person. And somebody will pass me, that's going to make me miss them even more. Well, we can't change the fact that you're going to miss a person. You're going to be missing them. Let's just be real. You're going to be missing them for a long time. But at least when you're thinking about them, you're thinking about them in a way that'll make you smile, not in a way that's going to add to your tears. Thinking about the last argument you had as you had is not going to make you feel better. Thinking about what you wish you would have gotten for their birthday or what you wish you would have said for the last conversation. All those things are not going to make you feel better. But thinking about the time that your mom baked you cookies or the time that your dad built the clubhouse or the time that you tried to make the snowman and it didn't work and that was the big family joke forever or the time that, you know, you want to pull those things together. So you create your own pool of memories. And what you can do is simply create a memory box, a memory bag. It can be a sandwich bag. It can be elaborate. It can be however you want it to be. And it's right on the index card, a piece of paper, a post-it. They're different memories. Put them in a container, put them in a box, put them in a bag. And when you want to think about that person, you pull one out and that's your meditation point. When you feel yourself going down the guilt rabbit hole of what you should have done or what you could have done, you pull that memory out, pull out one of those memories and you meditate on those memories and that will help you get through those moments. Now, remember that there are five stages of grief and these are things that are going to help you bridge from one stage to another. And so this is not going to be something that's going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen over a week. It's not going to happen over a month. It may take several months for you to work through the stages of grief. It might take a year for you to work through them, but what you want to see is daily progress, just a little bit. You know, yesterday I cried for an hour. Today I cried for 59 minutes. That's progress. Yesterday, I cried for 59 minutes. Today is 55 minutes. That is progress. It's progress. And you want to give yourself a pat on the back. You want to praise God that every day is getting better. Every day. And then you're, guess what? You're going to have a relapse. You're going to go from only crying for 10 minutes a day. And then you're going to see a movie. You're going to drive past. Or you're going to have something happen that will possibly pull you back to a two-hour cry. But that's okay because you're still making progress. You're, you're still making progress. Again, be kind to yourself. Give yourself grace and just continue to move in the right direction. And then the last thing for today is I want you to set goals. So the last step of grief is acceptance. And acceptance means that you have accepted that you've gone through the other four steps of grief. You've gone through anger. You've gone through rejection. You've gone through all of those reasoning. And now you're at acceptance. But acceptance looks different for everybody. You know, Acceptance looks like I'm moving on from my life. I'm going to get married again. Acceptance means for some people, I don't have to go visit the grave site once a month. Acceptance means different things for different people. And I want you to begin to think about that goal of what that looks like for you. And there might be steps to acceptance. Okay, the first step is I'm able to go into their closet. The second step is I'm able to do that. And I want you to set a goal. And just like we have vision boards for other things in our life, I want you to have a vision board for what acceptance looks like for you, what your new normal will be ideally for you. 
And that's something that nobody else can define. That's something that only you and God can define. And it's something that you don't have to ever share with anybody. It can be something very personal, but you can begin to see, I'm getting really close to that. I'm getting close to the fact that I can go to my mom's house. I'm getting close to the fact that I can make her cookie recipe. I'm getting close to the fact that I can pull out my grandmother's punch bowl without crying. I'm get I'm getting closer. I'm getting there. I'm almost there. I am almost there. I can go through and read my mom's old letters and I, I can go through. Okay. I'm thinking about possibly I might want to go on a date. I, I, my spouse, I lost him a couple years ago. I might want to do that. I might want to go on a date. I might, I'm thinking about it. I'm almost there. And again, these are not 12, um, 12 week goals or uh, six-week goals. These are goals that may take you years to get to, but you are paving a way to get there. You know where you're heading and you know what acceptance looks like for you. And I want you to work towards that every day. And you're not pushing yourself with your weight loss goals. You might be pushing yourself with um, your income goals. You might be pushing yourself with your book reading goals. You're pushing yourself with networking. You're pushing yourself scripture memorization. You're pushing yourself... Don't push yourself on this one. This one needs to come organically. This one needs to come in a timing that is healthy for you, at a rhythm and a pace that is healthy for you. And the only goal here with time is just that you keep moving forward in time that you don't go back. Then you might have a one, like a half step go back, but then you should be able to press forward a little bit more and just to be able to move forward. And remember that you are not alone that the holiday season can be difficult and we acknowledge that and we know that but your flow church family is here for you so if you're not already connected with a study group we want you to do that your study group leaders are trained to help people through this difficult time they will pray with you they will fast with you if they're in the same state as you they will meet you for coffee they will meet you for a walk they will go shopping with you they will uh, help you make a Christmas tree ornament, whatever it is that they need to do. You are absolutely not alone, but you want to get so comfortable and confident in who you are as in God, that your identity in God is not connected to how well you hold it together, that there's no reason for you to hold it together. Remember when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, he was so distraught and so upset about his assignment that he already knew about that he was literally sweating blood, that he was under so much stress and he cried out to God and he said, Father, if there is any way that this cup could pass by me, but nonetheless, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So Jesus modeled authenticity for us. He modeled that he wept when he lost a friend. He modeled anger when he went into the temple and there was gambling and money changers in the temple. He modeled those things for us. And so I want you to model for yourself and just trust the process of God that it's okay if you're angry, it's okay if you're sad, it's okay if you're upset, it's okay. But you just want to keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. And remember, Ecclesiastes 3, that there's a time for everything. And there's going to be a time to cry and there's going to be a time to laugh and there's going to be time to talk. and There's going to be a time to be quiet. There's going to be time for that. I want you to remember uh, Psalm 34 and 17 through 19 that God is close to the brokenhearted. So he's right there with you. And I want you to work through this process, not by yourself. I want you to find that circle and you can just build that circle and allow those people to help you. Listen, we already know you're not perfect. 
We already know that. Yeah, just like y'all know I'm not perfect. There is no perfection. And I'm going to give you this testimony. And it's, I'm going to do it in a way of a funny story. And then we'll end there. I'm going to do a part two to this teaching next next month in December. Then I'll do another one in January. Because Thanksgiving, Christmas, and the new year can be very difficult for people who are grieving. Um, This was 20-some years ago before Joseph was born. Pastor Russell and I had a set of twins. And we had them at almost 19 weeks. So they were... Uh, too early to be considered premature, but uh, too, but they were a late, they were called a late uh, term miscarriage. And so I was showing, I was big. I went through 36 hours of labor with them, knowing that they were not going to be viable. And they were our third pregnancy. So we had had other pregnancies before them and all those babies went to heaven. And when we had the twins, we were extra, extra distraught because of the other miscarriages. And we thought that we had taken care of all of the medical threats that had got us there. I have something called an incompetent cervix. And we had to put a cerclage in. And with the twins, we had two cerclages put in. So we thought, okay, we got it. And we were praying and we were believing God and we were believers. We were serving in ministry and we were doing everything that we knew to do. So when my water broke at almost 19 weeks, we were distraught. I mean, you can't, I I mean, you, you understand you've had loss. We're talking about loss. Everybody on here has had loss before. So you can understand how we were feeling and oh my goodness. And then to go through that and I asked them, is there any way we can speed up this labor? Because we know how this is going to end. Really, is there any way we can speed up later? And I said, no, you got to go through the process of labor. So you're going through the process for 36 hours, contractions and all this other stuff, knowing that we're not taking any babies home. I mean, it was a horrible, horrible experience. The twins were born on December 19th and we um we came home from the hospital and oh my goodness, y'all, I was a mess. I was an emotional mess. And I had people who really loved me because listen, some bad words come from good intentions. Y'all write that down. Sometimes bad words come from good intentions. I had people who had very good intentions say some really bad words to me, such as maybe you were doing too much. Maybe if you wasn't still working, this wouldn't happen. Maybe it was your diet. So in other words, they were saying, this is your fault that you lost these babies. And did they mean that? No, they didn't mean that. Were they being malicious and malice? No, they were not. But that doesn't soften the blow of those words. And so remember, you have to identify the loss. Okay, I'm not mad at them about these words. This is not, the, None of this stuff would matter if the twins were still here. And that's why you have to identify what you're grieving, what you're mourning. Because when those bad words come and when the bad attitudes come, you got to be able to push those things out and like uh, blinders on a horse. This is not the issue. The issue is I'm grieving this loss. And so uh, we had the twins on December 19th. We came home on December 21st because um, I hemorrhaged and had to go into surgery and I lost blood. I had to have a blood transfusion. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on there. And again, I'll tell y'all that testimony another time. Uh, We're going to fast forward. So like uh, (laughs) unwise people on December 21st. Now, we come home from the hospital December 21st. On December 24th, we thought it was a good idea to go Christmas shopping. Everybody say bad idea. Just bad idea. Just bad idea. And so we go to Tyson's Corner to go Christmas shopping because we thought it would get us out the house. It would lift our spirits. I didn't have to take any more of those stupid phone calls. People calling me, telling me, you know, all their little sayings and whatever. 
And we said, well, let's split. We didn't have a 50 cent to spend, y'all. We ain't had no money. <laughs> and so we said, well, let's split up and you go buy a gift for me. I'll go buy a gift for you. And we're going to meet back right here. So at the appointed time, I don't know, two hours later, we're supposed to meet back up. Both of us met up at a different place that looked like right here. So at that mall, they have similar Christmas displays throughout the mall. So we both thought we were at the right place. So now we are separated from each other for about an hour and a half, about almost two hours. Now, this is the before the era of cell phones. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have, um, I think Pastor Russell may have had a beeper at the time, but I didn't want to leave the spot where I was standing because if he came back, I didn't want to be gone. And so he's on the other end of the mall doing the exact same thing. So finally, after almost two hours of waiting for him at this spot, after the time we were supposed to meet, I burst into tears, y'all. And I had a major meltdown in the middle of Tyson's Corner Mall. And a security guard comes over to me. He says, ma'am, are you okay? And I'm sobbing and I'm crying. I'm like, no, I'm not okay. I lost my baby. And then I, and they're like, oh my gosh, lost baby, code blue, code red, whatever the code is for a lost child in the mall. And he says, well, what is, what, what is he wearing? And I begin to describe what Pastor Russell was wearing. But I keep saying I lost my baby. So the mall security is now looking for a child in jeans and Timberland boots and a sweatshirt and a, <laughs> a triple fat coat or whatever he was wearing at the time, whatever was in style at the time, because I'm sobbing. I'm hysterical. Why? Because I wasn't authentic with myself and I wasn't able to look myself in the mirror and say, you're not okay. I wasn't able to say to myself, you're not ready to go outside. We weren't able to say to each other, we ain't okay. We a mess. What we were saying to each other was, we're full of faith. We're faith people. God makes no mistakes and God's going to bless us. And this is okay. This is a stumbling block. And all those things are true. We were people of faith and God doesn't make mistakes and God is going to bless us. But at that moment, we need to be able to say, we're brokenhearted and we need to feel the presence of God. God is close to the brokenhearted. We need to be able to say from Matthew chapter five that God will that God will bless those who mourn in the Beatitudes. God bless. So we weren't, but we didn't have the wisdom to do that. So we put on our happy face and we got all dressed up and went out to the mall and we were not emotionally ready to do it because we didn't have somebody to tell us, slow your roll, pump your brakes and deal with how you're really feeling. And that's what I want you to do. You're going to you're gonna have moments and you need to, in those moments, be authentic with yourself and say, you know what? I can't do this today. And you need to call the people in your circle and say, guess what? Pray. I can't do it today. And that person says, well, do you want me to come over and sit with you? You say, yeah, you can come. But just know when you get here, I might not be in the mood to talk and I might ask you to leave after 30 minutes, but I'm just not making it today because you don't want to be the woman in the mall, crying about losing your baby, describing a grown man, <laughs> a whole grown man, because you can't get it together. Now, that testimony, was it was intended to make you smile because now 20 plus years later, and we have a beautiful, uh, well, he wouldn't appreciate that. We have a handsome man who's in college and a beautiful 11-year-old. It's easy to look back now and say, oh, wow, look what God has done. And but in that moment, we didn't feel that. So I hope that that testimony taught you a lesson, but also made you smile a little bit. 
and just know that we are here for you and that you don't have to push yourself to do anything other than be authentic and push yourself to heal, but not in a non-organic way, in a pace and a rhythm that makes sense for you. Do not be a Tyson's Corner four days after your loss. <laughs> you know, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. I love you. I pray this word blessed you. Go ahead and share it with your friends who you know may be going through this. And we're going to do a part two for this in December. There'll probably be some other episodes before that additional grief episode. episode but we wanted you to have this. We love you. Have a wonderful day. day. Thank you so much for tuning in. Join us every Sunday um, at Flow Church at either 8 o'clock or 10 o'clock or 6.30 at live.flow-church.org. Again, live.flow-church.org. You can go to our website, www.flow-church.org to get all of our service times and information. God bless you and have a wonderful day.